All right, it's, it's me again, guys. I'm not Creighton. I don't look like Creighton, but probably not as good as Creighton, but you know, it's me. You take it or leave it, but okay. So um, I wear a bow tie for Creighton. So I told him that, and this is duct tape bow tie, if you don't. Yeah. Somebody in a long time ago, some of the youth make this for me, so I was like, okay, I'll wear it. Um, so today we're gonna talk about Love, but not different, not, not the typical kind of love that we talk about in, you know, at church and all this stuff. We're going to talk a little bit about love. We, um, we're going to talk about definition of love. So if we, if we see it today, the meaning of love today, people interpret today love is to support, right? So I heard it a lot. I hear it a lot when I was at Starbucks and I have, like, you know, all that stuff. If you love somebody, then you need to support them, no matter what it is. If you love somebody, you need to, um, you need to let them do whatever you, they want to do as long as they're happy, right? That's what their definition of love, you know? Because if you say no to them, if you say no to them, it's not a good thing because it's not constructive. No, it's a bad word because it's not constructive. See, it's, I disagree with that because if we love someone... Sometimes we have to say no, right? Sometimes we have to tell them to uh, tell them the truth. And if we know they're leading, if they, their, their choices lead them to destruction, then we're going to tell them the truth. If we see them living in a sinful life, then we have to tell them the truth, right? I, I don't remember who said this, but it stuck with me. I have a bad memory, if you don't know it. So if I promise you something and I forget, just because of me. So I don't remember who said this, but... He said, um, you must hate the person so much that you let them continue living in their sins. I mean, when I read that, I was like, wow. I mean, it's the truth. Like, you, if you love them, you need to tell them, right? And um, that's very convicting to me. And let's talk about love, okay? I'm, I'm going to tell you one person that I love so much in this world. Muriel. Yeah, you see them, right? They're cute. And I loved him so much. I, I'm not kidding you. When, I was grow, when he was born, when I, I like, the first few days, I just hold him and like, look at him. It's like, oh, cute. It's so cute. You know, I'll cry sometimes because how much, how cute he was. And, and it's uh, when he was like a month or two or something, and I was having a bad day, I come home and I pr- cry to God and pray to God. And at nighttime, I literally like hold him and like talking to him about my day. I'm like, he can't understand it. He was like a few days. But I still do that to him. And still, same time, praying to God. And if you know me, I'm a nerd, right? I play RPG game, uh, Star Wars RPG game at night with my friend online. And uh, he was nine days old, and I was holding him. And uh, like all night long, was Becky was sleeping. So when he grew up, he can tell his friend he's been playing RPG game when he was, since he was born. So it was late night, Becky was sleeping, and I hold him as much as I can until Becky, you know, until Becky... Uh, until the baby need Becky, and I give, it to, I give him to Becky. And I'll show you how much more I love him, right? If you know me, again, if you know me well enough, I share most everything, but I don't share food with anybody. Nope. <laughs> or watermelon. I don't share food or watermelon. Be- every time I eat something and Becky's like, do you want to share? Are you, you going to share it with him? I'm like, no. It's my food. Get your own, right? So then, I love watermelon. I cut it in half, and I grab half of it. I scoop it with spoon. I eat it myself. When I was single, when I was single, 
I was like, at night time, I was like, I'm tired. I cut a watermelon, I eat it, and I was like, I still want watermelon. So I grabbed my other half, and I eat it. I eat the whole watermelon. It's like a big, like huge, all by myself, okay? Now when Becky, when we were married, Becky was like, are you going to share your watermelon with me and Isaac? I'm like, no. <laughs> and, then, and then she was like trying to grab watermelon from me. I, I literally started growling and started biting her. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, I ask her, like, that's how much I love, I love watermelon, especially a good watermelon. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Like, sweet, juicy. I'm like, oh, man. And then a few weeks ago, I went to Connor graduation party, right? The anglers can cook, man. I mean, they have good food. I ate their food, and there's watermelon. I'm like, yes, jackpot. I grab one, I take a, I take a bite. I'm like, wow, this one is the best watermelon. So I put it down. I sit down. Becky, give me watermelon. Uh, Becky, give me Mario. And I was eating, I was holding the watermelon, and Muriel was pointing at the watermelon, and he's like, uh, uh. I'm like, fine, I give you one bite, you know, right? That's what I thought, too. I gave him one bite, and then I was like, it's all mine now. And, she's, and he kept like, uh, he's like doing this, and he almost cried. I'm like, the next thing I know, I don't have the watermelon. <laughs> he was eating it. It was like messy, and I, I don't even thought of myself. I was like, what have I become? I give watermelon to somebody. Right. It's, 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 that's how much I love Miria. You know, I, I, I like, I love Miria that I would give anything to him. I would think, it's, he's my first biological son, right? So he's my favorite biological son right now because it's the only biological son I have. So, but uh, sometimes I say no to him. Even though I love him, I didn't always support what he wants to do, right? And uh, because, because sometimes he, he just doing, choose something like almost hurt himself. Like one day I see him run to the outlet in the wall and try to stuck his finger in there. And I see this and I run like, no, I grab him. And then until to this day, if he see cable, not just like a, a live cable that plug it in the wall, he's always play with it. Like, I'm like, no, Miriam. We, until this day, I'm still trying to teach him not to play with cable. But like, no cable, Miriam, no cable. But he's still grabbing it. But I tell them no, because I know if he does that, if he stick his finger right in that wall, he could, he could, it could destroy him. It could kill him. And I don't want that to happen. And that's, that's what we need to do too. And we, to say no sometimes to people that we love. But to you, this is, you guys probably hear a lot too. Some people hear me, tell me this. But to you, Jesus is love, right? Jesus wants everybody to be happy. Jesus is love. True, Jesus is love. But we're confused in this world by love and enabling. Jesus' love is dying on the cross for us so we can be with him. And our definition of love today is do whatever you want. I support you, right? So Jesus' love is self-sacrifice. And today's definition of love is enabling. To, to show Jesus, wow, that's smaller than I thought it would be. That the word love is enabling the person that we love. We need to support them whatever we want. Yes, Jesus, Jesus is love, but Jesus, Jesus is love, and Jesus loves everyone, but Jesus don't, doesn't support everything that we choose. Jesus doesn't support our sins. The perfect example of that is John 8. If you guys open your Bible with me to John 8, I'll be, I think it'll be up there too. But 
John 8, 1 to 6 right now. Follow along when you were there. So Jesus returned to, to, to the Mount Olives, but early in the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teacher of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses say to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus took down and wrote in the dust with his finger. So, first of all, I'm going to tell you this. First of all, it's very rude, super rude, right? Jesus was tired. If you read it, Jesus was, went to Mount Olive to spend time with God to recharge. And he go back the next morning to teach the crowd. The crowd was there. So he was tired and then he started teaching again. It's rude. You know why? Because he was teaching and people interrupted him. Not just one person, but a lot of people. If you teach Sunday school, you know what I'm talking about, right? There is always that one person in the class that always interrupted you. This is why when I was teaching Sunday school or Focus, I tell the kids to raise their hands. Because when, when I started, I was teaching and it's like they're all talking at the same time. I got a headache because they're all talking. Something. So I was telling them, raise your hand, raise your hand. And then they kept talking. I'm like, raise your hand, raise your hand, you know. Now they're getting better at it. They raise their hand. Ask them. They, they, they will tell. Right, Carter? That's the only time raise hand? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So they, 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 they raise their hand. But yeah, interrupting. That's one person. That's like, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? This is like a crowd, man. I mean, the Pharisees, the teachers of the laws, interrupted Jesus' teaching. And then second of all, they, bring, they brought a woman that they caught in the middle adultery. How? How do they do this? How do they, how do they call a woman in adultery? And then where's the man? Because the last thing I, the last time, the last time I checked, if you're committing adultery, you take man and woman. You can't just, uh, not just one person, but two. But where's the, where's the man? See, there's, I heard this in college. There's two things. One is they know this woman commit adultery all the time. So they were waiting for it and grabbed the woman and bring it to Jesus. The second time is the worst one. They set a trap. They set a trap. So they hire somebody. They hire a man, or maybe the man is one of them. They make them commit adultery, and they take it, and they bring it to Jesus. That's why we don't see the man in the crowd, because the man could be one of them. And they just do... They just. Uh, they just want to embarrass the woman and try to trap Jesus. And third of all, again, rude, rude, very rude, not just they interrupted Jesus, they want to trap Jesus. How are they going to trap Jesus? Is one, if Jesus said, yes, let's stone them, right? Do the law of Moses said, then Jesus will go, uh, Jesus will go against the government. Jesus is going to bring the wrath of the government, the Rome government, without being accepted by the Roman government. So the Pharisee and teacher of law are going to bring this up to the government, and then look, Jesus thinks he's better than the government, and he can do whatever he wants. Or if Jesus say, release him, then Jesus is going to go against the law of Moses, and they're going to call him, what, false teacher, right? Hypocrite. 
And why do you listen to this guy if you go against the law of Moses? So in their mind, in the Pharisees and the, law of the, the teacher of the law of mind, there's no win on Jesus here. There's no win. But you see here, Jesus showed them, Jesus showed them love by being patient with them. Instead of getting angry, Jesus showed them patient. Jesus showed them love by being patient to them. So um, let's keep reading. He stood down, right? And they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, He who without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. Okay, so Jesus showed them love by being patient. So instead of getting angry, he stood down on the ground. He write down stuff that we don't know what it is. And then when they keep annoying Jesus, Jesus stand up and say, He who has no sin, throw the first stone, right? So you just go back down and grab a stone and throw it at this woman, right? And hit them in the head. No. No. <laughs> That's not what Jesus do. Because Jesus wants to show love to this woman. And Jesus doesn't support this dreadful action. But Jesus wants to show compassion and love to this woman. And Jesus knows it's a trap. They thought they got Jesus, but they don't. And Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dust. And we don't know what he wrote in the dust. We really don't know. It could be, it could be that all the sins, all the sins that the Pharisee and the teacher of the law did in the past. Or it, and then I heard my professor said, it could be all the men that this woman committed adultery with and their name, and their name was in it. So that's, and let's keep reading. The next one is, when the accuser heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with all this, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Again, we don't know what he wrote. It could be the, all the sins, could be the, 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 the man that committed adultery with this woman, but we know it's very convicting. We know that people living because of this. Jesus showed love. Jesus loved the Pharisee by being patient, but he didn't support his action. Well, also he knows it's a trap. So, and the next few verse, the next few verse, we're gonna see how Jesus loved this woman. How, but at the same time, Jesus does not support her lifestyle. Let's read John eight ten to eleven. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, "Woman, where are they? Did anyone condemn you? No one, Lord," she said. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now, sin no more. So this, this verse might not mean a lot to most of us, right? One, because we don't, we don't commit adultery. Two, because we're not this woman and we didn't get caught red-handedly. But let me, let go with me here a little bit. Let me imagine, I like to imagine stuff, okay? So let's put you guys sell yourself in this woman life, right? You just got caught red-handedly. You you just you know you commit adultery and they grab you and they throw you around in the crowd and they probably spit on you. They throw you on the ground and the next thing you know they drag you and throw it in Jesus' feet. So you're cowering in Jesus' feet, and by this time you know Jesus. Jesus is a real deal. Jesus in ministry he did. He healed people. He, he, he did miraculous stuff. He walked on the water. I'm sure you, you heard about this. 
And the most thing is, Jesus cast out demon. Jesus a real deal. Jesus cast out demon. Jesus a real deal. You know, you you just scared. You 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 just commit adultery like five minutes ago, and you're under Jesus' feet. And you know that you die, right? The law of Moses is you need to be stoned. And you're on the ground laying down there, and you see Jesus crouching on the ground. He's stooping down on the ground. And you, you thought of yourself, this is it. This is it. You close your eyes. You're cowering. You're waiting for that stone hitting your head. But because it's crowded and you're scared, you can't really hear anything. All you know that you're just going to die soon. You're cowering. But, and then you hear Jesus' voice barely. All you, you can make it out is first stone and sin. You're like, oh, this is it. You're cowering again. And after a while, you realize... There's no stone going in your head. There's no nothing hit you in the head. And you open your eyes slowly, and you see Jesus still on the ground. You're like, what's going on? What's next? And then you see the Pharisee walk one by one. Nobody throwing you stone. Walk one by one. And you're like, well, that's weird, right? And you, but you're still like scared and fear. And then you see Jesus get up again. And you start walking toward you. And then again, you flinch and you cower because you think, this is it. Jesus just don't want to stone me in front of people because Jesus is nice and he showed me compassion. And you start cowering and you feel Jesus' presence in front of you, sweetly calming and nice. You know? So you open your eyes, you look up, and Jesus say, woman, where are they? Does anyone condemn you? And then you look up with your shaky voice. You say, no one, Lord, no one. And Jesus say next is, neither do I condemn you. Go from now, sin no more. Go from now and sin no more. Jesus didn't say, go and live your life, right? Jesus didn't say, go and do whatever makes you happy. But Jesus said, go from now, sin no more. Jesus loved this woman by giving her second chance, by giving her forgiveness, by giving her love. But Jesus didn't support her lifestyle and sinful lifestyle by telling her, go and sin no more. Go and do something better with your new life. Right? So... That's how we need to love people. If we love somebody, we need to love like Jesus, right? That means we have to do that hard thing to tell no or tell them the truth if we know they're living in sinful life. And but to you, how do you how do you do that? How do you tell somebody if they're living in a sinful life? How do you tell somebody if their decision will lead them to destruction? How do you tell somebody? It's just hard. You're right. Do you ever heard that Bible have all the answer except Rice Krispie recipe? They don't have it in the Bible. But if, about life, the Bible always have all the answer. If you go to Matthew 18, 15 to 18, it said, If your brother and or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may confirm by the testimony of two or three witnesses. 
If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, if, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loose in heaven. So, the answer. If you see somebody's sins, go to them one-on-one, -on -one, in private. Don't just like call them out in the middle of nowhere in a crowded place, but go one-on-one, -on -one, in person. It will get awkward. It will get uncomfortable. But if you love them so much that you have to do this. Um, I experienced this here, actually. Like, as you know, we just got a house, actually, a month from today, a month ago. Today is a whole month that we live in our new house, right? Thank you to Carrie and TJ about that. It's, it's amazing. A perfect house, perfect neighborhood, a good house, good neighborhood for us. And before this, you guys know, we have a contract in the house in Kankakee. It's a bad neighborhood, like terrible. I think Thursday, Becky's working in KTA. They have to have lockdown because there's a shooting in the, um, in the courthouse. And they were so close in, our, in, the, in that house in Kankakee. And I was like, wow, God is good, you know. But during this time, when we have contract uh, in the Kankakee house, Joe Gray come to me personally when we're doing, when we're finishing the um, focus class. And he talked to me, he said, hey, Tegu, I have to tell you this, the house that you're gonna buy is not in good neighborhood. He said, I think you need to pull a contract out of it. So I, I talked to Becky, and Becky said, well, we're gonna lose earnest money, we're gonna lose inspection money, and it's money that we don't have, Becky said. I was like, yeah, it's true. So I talked to Joe again, and this is what changed everything. Joe said, well, I haven't talked to Judy yet, but I think she'll be okay. If that's your biggest hang up, the money, he said, we'll reimburse it. We're not rich people, but we'll reimburse your money so you can pull the contract if you need it. So I talked to Becky, and Becky like, is that really what Joe said? I'm like, yeah, that's what Joe said. He's like, no way. I'm like, yeah, go talk to Joe. So she talked to Joe, and we were like almost pulled the contract out. But we talked to the, our real estate agent and our lender, and they said, if we pull it out, the contract that time, because we were like so deep in it, the other, the other people going to give us a lawsuit, which is more than the, reimburse, the, the money we put in the house. So we were going to go through it and flip it. And God works in a mysterious way, okay? The last day when we go walk through, the, last fi the final walk through, I asked Joe and Todd and Sheila to come with me because I don't know a lot about house. You know, I'll be like, well, paint peeling, but that's all I know, okay? So Joe is fireman, Todd is fireman. Todd told me Sheila is good at flipping house, so she can tell you some tips. I'm like, sweet. So they come in, and then first I asked Sheila, and I was like, Sheila, how do you, what do you think? She's like, well, the house is okay to be flipped, but the house across the street are worn down. I don't think nobody, I'm like, okay. And we walked through the whole house, they promised us like 18 or 19 thing to be fixed. They only fixed like six. And the stuff they fixed is already broken down. So we walk away from that house because of the stuff that they don't fix. And then we talk to Karen and TJ and they give us so the best deal out there because even the lender, I talked to the lender, he's like, you know what? You guys have the best deal I ever see in my 30 years experience of lending stuff. That's what he said. Like, I think you guys make a, 
good decision, you know. So, if Joe didn't come to me and talk to me personally, that our choice will lead us to that destruction. Um, something bad happened for, to us if we live in that house. We would not have this house. We need more people like that. We need more people. We need more Christian that is brave enough to talk to somebody personally, face to face, in private. It doesn't matter how uncomfortable or awkward it will be, but we need to tell them the truth. We need to tell them the, that they living in sinful life and they make a bad decision. Because if we love somebody, we don't want them to be destroyed, aren't we? We want them to be straight and repent to God. Yes, again, Jesus is love. But Jesus is also just forgiving, merciful, and His love convicts people. His love wants us to turn around, to repent, to repent from our sinful life and look up to God again. Jesus loves everyone. Jesus loves us. That's why He died on the cross. But He will never live, He will never support our sinful choices. He would never support our sinful lifestyle or our distraction or our distraction um, choices. So, let me leave you with this. It's up there. Jesus loved the sinners, but he hates the sins. Let's pray, guys. Um, God, thank you for, uh, for everything you give it to us. Thank you for your example to love people, God. Thank you for uh, telling us to love like you, to, to, be, to be bold for you, to go to somebody we love that they're living in sinful action, God. And... God, please remind us every day that love doesn't mean supporting their lifestyle, God. And thank you for your son. And in, in, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.